Today is the last Sunday in our series, One Kingdom Indivisible. Um, I was spending some time yesterday thinking about uh, my job. <laughs> and I have a weird job. I, I, I really do. Um, and there's a lot, and, and per- particularly I, I think in the last six months or so, it's, it's gotten stranger. All the things that I've had to learn uh, how to do during covid uh, including, uh, you know, social media, being nice to people, trying to be interesting on a regular basis, uh, learning how to, uh, you know, shoot videos and edit videos. And you should see my office right now. It's, um, it's interesting. <laughs> it's all the stuff that we have in here. Uh, but I was trying to, uh, I was talking with someone last night, um, and he was asking me just about how we're doing church right now. And and uh, so I was trying to describe to him all the things that we're doing and how we're trying to stay connected with people and um, how we do the online service and the live service. And he just kind of, you know, shook his head at all of the adjustments we've had to make. But even in, you know, more, I don't know, regular times, uh, my job is interesting. And it's interesting because I have the opportunity to share moments with people um, that a lot of others just don't get to share with them. Um, I'm invited into people's lives uh, at all different kinds of moments. Um, I get to marry people and help them start their lives together. Um, I get to celebrate uh, really important events in people's lives. Uh, I'm also called into homes when uh, things aren't going so well, and I've had the both honor and weight of uh, helping people walk through some of the hardest and darkest moments in their lives. Uh, I've tried to help people overcome um, their deepest struggles and and seen them fall. I've been called to the hospital when someone needs encouragement or prayer just to see a friendly face. Um, I've been called to the hospital to help someone say goodbye to someone that they love and I've stood in front of crowds and besides graves to both celebrate and lament the loss of a loved one that is no longer here. There's, there's great joy in what I do. There are uh, moments of great triumph and unbelievable blessing, and there is also sorrow and trouble and struggle. The last few months have stretched me in ways that I could never have anticipated. Um, I've struggled with what to say and how to say it. Uh, There have been really important moments, and I've wrestled with how to speak into those moments and, and, and what I need to say and what I should just leave alone. And there have been times where I've wanted to say something, uh, but have chosen not to, afraid of what response I might invoke from others. A lot of weeks I've rewritten my sermon multiple times just to make sure that I'm really saying what it is that God wants me to say. It's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful to have participated in this series. Uh, This series has given me the opportunity to put current events into the context that we need for them to be in, the, the kingdom of God. And at least for me, it's really helped me to orient the discussion um, around 
around God and around the important things instead of getting maybe so caught up in all the stuff that's going on. But certainly we find ourselves on the precipice of an important moment uh, in our history with the upcoming election. Uh, And maybe you are like me and you're feeling some anxiety over what is going to happen over the next few days. And part of the reason why I'm feeling anxiety uh, is because of how this moment is being sold to me. Um, What is going to happen in our immediate future is anything but certain. And news from all corners of the world tell us that the next few days uh, potentially could be really bad. Uh, Businesses are boarding up all over the Bay Area in anticipation of rioting no matter who wins. Um, And there has even been talk, I'm sure you've seen this, of a civil war potentially breaking out. Um, And all of that, you know, I, it's, the other night I was, I was trying to go to bed and I just felt this, I just felt nervous and I couldn't really put my finger on why I felt so nervous. Um, And, and it's all, it's all of this, it's all of these things, all of this, this moment in time, this stress and this pressure. You know, life is challenging enough <laughs> with all of those things that I, that I mentioned before, all of those things, all those moments that I get invited into. Life, life is challenging enough without worrying about is everything going to fall apart? Uh, are people going to be okay? Is, is our country going to be okay? Are we going to be okay? This morning, as we come to the final vision of God's kingdom, there's something I want you to know. The final vision of God's kingdom and what God has planned makes all of the difference in every situation I've just described to you. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God makes all the difference no matter what is going on in our lives or in the world. Because what is the story of heaven? What is that really about? It is the story of a kingdom victorious, a victory that has already happened. And that victory is not embodied or affected or changed by anything that happens here now. Listen, the kingdom of the world, the kingdoms of the world have no effect on what God is doing and what God will do. Heaven and the coming of God's kingdom is the place, the time when God will make everything right. And that time is not here and now, but it is coming. And nothing will keep God from setting things right. So it occurs to me this morning that we have a choice as to what story we want to live in, what story we want to tell. And we can choose the chaos of the kingdoms of the world or we can choose to live in a different story 
We can choose to live a different story. The kingdom of God will arrive in fullness, and when it does, it will usher in all that God has envisioned. We're going to take a look at some scriptures from Revelation this morning that are going to help us see exactly what it is that God has planned. We're going to start in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Think about that wording for a moment. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. This is the promise that God makes in the book of Revelation, and it is a wonderful promise. Think about the kingdom of this world that we live in and all of the issues around us. Think think about how crazy this year has been with the pandemic, with racism, politics, oppression, poverty, injustice. The list goes on and on. This is not what God wanted for us. This is not the life that God had envisioned for us. But we have this incredible promise that God's kingdom will come to fruition, to fullness. We know how the story ends. The kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. With this proclamation, the New Testament story of the kingdom of God is complete. Uh, We have heard Jesus proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand as he walked and talked here on this earth. We have have heard the church living as the kingdom of God amidst, amidst the kingdom of the world. And now we hear that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of God. This is how the story ends. Although it might be more appropriate to say this is really how the story begins. The new creation begins here and lasts forever and ever. And for us, knowing the end of the story changes everything about this life. It's an incredible truth that I am so grateful for. But the book of Revelation makes it clear that the road to the coming kingdom is not an easy one for those who follow Christ. And it's not easy for several reasons, but the first one is that there is suffering. You you can't read through the book of Revelation without noticing how much God's faithful people suffer unjustly at the hands of the world powers. In Revelation, God, though, finally relieves the suffering of his faithful ones, but the message is clear. The path to the kingdom of God, to what God has envisioned for us, is not an easy one for us. And we know this is true, that that faithfulness to Jesus 
doesn't mean that we avoid suffering or trouble or hardship in this life. In fact, in most cases, it is the opposite. Jesus doesn't give us a life of convenience. He doesn't promise us that as we live here in this kingdom, that we will have the power and the influence, that we will be on top of all of these different situations. He doesn't relieve all of our suffering here and now. Instead, he calls us to live in a way that sets us against culture. He calls us to sacrifice, and he calls us to obey even when it's difficult. And it is difficult. And when we suffer and when things seem to be piling up against us, when we experience the fear and anxiety that this kingdom, the kingdom of this world, pushes on us at all times. We have a choice of what we can do. And one of the first things we can do is to despair and let our pain or our fear or anxiety overwhelm us. But there's another option that Revelation presents to us. And it's one that is probably not the first thing we would choose in the middle of hardship and suffering and waiting for the kingdom to come. The option that Revelation presents to us is worship. You see, worship is the centering place. It's the, the beating heart of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is full of powerful accounts of worship. Worship from the heavenly creatures, worship from all of creation, worship from the redeemed. And why is worship so central to the story that's being told in Revelation? Well, it's because worship in the book of Revelation is undeniable. It's like, it's like, it's like the, the overwhelming wave that, that washes over you and picks you up and carries you out to sea. Because the glory of the Lord is being revealed in its fullness. And anyone who sees or experiences the fullness of the glory of the Lord can do nothing else than recognize him and worship him. The lamb is being put on his throne and, and the work of the salvation that Jesus is bringing to us is brought to the front. The kingdom of God is coming to fruition and the only possible response to all of this is to fall down and worship God. Worship is the response to seeing all that God is and all that he is doing. Which tells us that worship is an important part of how we deal with our suffering, our fear, and our anxiety. If you combine your suffering with worship, then you get something new out of it. I mean, the suffering, the fear, the anxiety, it can make us into people who are afraid, who, who don't know what to do, who sit and worry. But if we learn how to worship in these moments, these difficult moments, then what we are experiencing leads us to hope. 
we have great hope, you see, because we know how the story ends and we know that nothing can take the coming kingdom away from us. We know that whatever suffering we face is just a moment compared to the eternity we get to spend with our God. So worship then puts everything back into perspective for us while we wait. Worship helps us to acknowledge that God is still God, even in the middle of suffering and chaos and fear and doubt. It lifts our eyes to the home that waits for us. Knowing the end of the story makes all the difference. The coming kingdom will right what is wrong with this earthly kingdom. And one of the ways that the coming kingdom will do that is that it will bring unity. From Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This picture of heaven that we see paints an image of this great unity before God. There is great unity in the recognition of God. There is great unity in the recognition of our salvation. There is great unity in seeing the fullness of God come before us. When the kingdom comes, all of the things that we think are so important, all of the things that we have allowed to divide us one from another will become inconsequential. In light of God, you see, everything that would divide us goes away. I want you to think about that for a moment. We have asked the question multiple times during this series, how can we be unified with people that think differently than we do, that we disagree with on fundamental things, that people that maybe vote differently or view certain social situations differently. And one of the things that I've expressed to you over and over again is that by living as citizens of the kingdom of God, the unity that we have in Jesus overcomes all of those differences, all of those things that we would allow to separate us. And we know how hard it is to accomplish this, but this is the story of the book of Revelation. This is the story that we anticipate. The things that divide us all fall away in light of who God is and the salvation that he brings to the world. Because when the kingdom of God comes, 
there is incredible unity across all of the demographic lines we know of. God overwhelms all of those things. We are no longer divided by anything. Which makes me ask the question, if, if this is what it looks like when we live in the fullness of God, then why can't we have more of that unity now? This kingdom that we live for, that we're, that we're waiting for, we, we are still living here in this place. We are still living out the values of the kingdom and striving to be the people of God here in this earthly kingdom. And we should be concerned when we observe that today the kingdom of God is divided by those same lines that God will ultimately overcome. It should bother us that Christians may vote very differently based on the color of their skin. This says something to us. It should cause us to stop and think when American Christianity has such different goals than Christianity in Asia or Latin America or Africa. If we are headed to a unity that overcomes all of this division, then why are we so divided now? If we share the same God, the same theology, how is it that we apply that theology to the here and now so differently? Well, for one, the kingdom of the world doesn't want us to have unity. And it does everything it can to divide us here in this place. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if the followers of Jesus would stop being divided by issues and become united in who God is and in their salvation? The kingdom of the world does not want that. But secondly, Unity, this kind of unity, takes sacrifice on our part. Jesus died for us while we were enemies of God, and yet we spend time making enemies of one another. We are not always willing to make the same concessions, even for those that we have had long-standing relationships with. And, and thirdly, we have been made afraid of conflict and the effort it takes to overcome conflict. We are afraid to even ask the questions or have the discussions or sit down with someone that we should love and work through whatever is dividing us. It's so much easier for us to just sit back and disagree with them. These questions, all of these things should be unavoidable if we really view ourselves as the kingdom of God. If, if our kingdom allegiance is stronger than our political alliance, we need to start exploring why these things are there and doing the hard work to remove the division between our brothers and sisters. And I don't pretend to have answers to how all this works but we can't be afraid to get in there as members of the kingdom of God and to ask the hard questions and have the difficult discussions and to love one another and love others through even the most difficult of things. The kingdom of God will bring unity. How are we building unity now? Next, the kingdom of God will bring peace. From Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepare as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. It's an overwhelming picture of unity, wholeness, and peace. This image of God restoring what it is that he had wanted all along, that he is our God and we are his people. And when we live in the place that he has prepared for us, there is no more pain or suffering, no more death, all the failure that has defined our mortal lives, all of the things, all of the things that have kept us from living the full life that God wants for us will fall away and cease to exist and we will live with our God forever. It's a kind of peace that we, we can't even wrap our minds around. And in a time of such chaos, I'm encouraged that this vision that God has for us is full of peace. So what do we do now? As we wait, what is our role as we wait for God to bring about the fullness of his kingdom? Well, Revelation tells us that as well. We've talked about several different things we should be doing, and we've talked about that throughout this series, but Revelation puts this role into a new light for us. Because you see, we are a kingdom of priests. From Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. We are priests. All those things that I do, participating in weddings and marriages, funerals, being with people when they suffer and they hurt, helping people up when they fall, that is your job also as a citizen of the kingdom of God. We are the agents who Go between this vision that God has and the kingdom of the world. We are his ambassadors. 
Does it make a difference to how you live and how you treat others and how you view yourself if you see yourself as a priest for God as opposed to just being a follower? What would your responsibilities be? How would you treat people differently? How would you act if you see yourself as a representative of God in all these things? How does it change your understanding of your role? It could change a lot of things. And if you understand yourself as being a representative of God going out into this world, then maybe it would change some of the division that is present in your life right now. Maybe it would change the way that you listen to others who are suffering or hurting. Maybe it will put more urgency into your heart to resolve things that are still standing between you and others and God. I wanted to do this kind of series because it's too easy for the church to mirror the culture. And our culture right now is divisive. It picks sides. It demonizes and exaggerates and polarizes. It pushes people apart. And while we might expect that behavior in the kingdom of the world, those things have no place. They have no place in the kingdom of God. And we cannot, cannot let politics or social issues of this world dictate the way that we treat one another as citizens of his kingdom. We have a higher calling. By tracing the kingdom of God through the whole of scripture, I hope that you have been able to see that calling. And it's hard to bring this series to an end because it feels like there is so much more to say. And we've hardly begun to answer the questions. And there are still more questions to ask. However, the goal hasn't been to give us answers to all of our questions. I'm not capable of that. Instead, our goal has been to help us see through the eyes of God which questions to ask to give us hope, boldness, to make us brave, that we might live in this place in a way that is different than anyone else does. It began in creation when God launched a massive group project for people to work together to bless the world, but division happened immediately and thwarted our efforts. When God rescued his people from Egypt, he called them to be distinct. He defeated the world power that oppressed them and gave them a law which would define their character, but God's people failed to live up to that law. So years later, he sent them into exile to be transformed into the kind of people that he intended That transformation would shape them into people who bless the world, even in partnership with those who might stand against God. Then Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God. His death and resurrection offered people from any ethnic and social background the opportunity to be restored to God and united with each other. His message offered a third way of relating to the divisive world. And then the church came and worked to live out this message in real time. They came together in the midst of great diversity. They loved one another and paid special care to the oppressed and vulnerable around them. And today, 
we see the conclusion of all of these things. All of history wrapped up into the kingdom of God when Jesus returns to sit on his throne, a world of unity and peace. This is our destination. This is where we are going. This is the story we live in. It defines who we are. It defines our family stories, our ethnic background, our personality, our political opinions, the groups that we resonate with and the groups we dislike. This story permeates everything about who we are. It is the primary story. It overcomes all of these things. This is our identity. We need to find our place in this story, orient ourselves to our common destination, depend on God, make unity primary, and get to work. Because knowing the end of the story changes everything about this life. We are not defined by this culture, this place here on earth. We are not defined by our failures and our differences. We are defined by our victory in Jesus Christ. And the suffering and pain that we go through here just reminds us of the longing that we have deep in our hearts to be united with God in the fullness of who he is. This ending gives purpose and meaning to all that we do. It drives us to help others see how much God loves them and cares for them. It motivates us and gives us urgency for those who do not know Jesus because Jesus is coming. This story, this ending, this coming kingdom makes us who we are right now. May we choose to live even now in the fullness of this story. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have written such an amazing ending for us. God, we are grateful that you are capable of overcoming all of the things that would divide us and keep us not only from one another, but from you. God, we are grateful that when we are united with you, that all of these divisive things will fall away. God, may we live here and now as citizens of your kingdom. May we make unity and peace and love for others the story that we tell and share in all moments and all things. God, may we bring your kingdom to this place now. May knowing the ending give us the boldness that we need, Father. To be world changers here. And we wait for your kingdom to come. And we say, Lord, come quickly. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.